are the times that try men and women's souls, especially those who would like to get to reasonable governance in this country. What a week it was on that front once more. And to offer some insight from the swamp in a very busy week that uh, this gentleman had, Senator Ron Johnson joins us now on MacGyver Newsmaker. How are you, sir? And uh, have you survived it all? (laughs) Great. I I did survive. I'm back in Wisconsin. That always puts a smile on my face. I hope you're doing well. Oh, I'm in Wisconsin, and I get to be in Wisconsin all the time. Unfortunately for you, you have to be in the swamp and have to deal with what you've dealt with over the last uh, several weeks. Let's start back because it's been a while since we've talked, uh, and I want to get to, in just a moment, some very important details coming out of the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee this week with the FBI Director Ray. But before we do that, let's uh, get a little hindsight, a little retrospective on what happened. What, And I guess that's the important question. What did happen? Because I feel like America's been hit by a Mack truck in the whole Kavanaugh circus that the Democrats uh, brought this country. Um, give us a little hindsight uh, perspective on what we just went through and what it portends for the future of this process. Uh, the week that was. Well, the, you know, the, the week that was is simply a continuation of a process, uh, the politics of personal destruction that the uh, Democrats have been practicing on Supreme Court nominations dating back to Robert Bork. Uh, a verb was uh, christened during that process, borking, you know, yeah. trying to destroy somebody. And you know, they, they were able to keep uh, Robert Bork off the court. They tried to destroy Justice Thomas. He, he made it to the court. They tried to destroy Brett Kavanaugh. Now he's made it to the court. But, you know, throughout the entire process, this, the blood-curdling screams coming out of the, the Democratic part of the Senate gallery as we're trying to vote on his nomination, the, the thing that really stands out in my memory was was. Professor Blasey Ford's testimony when she said, you know, other than the incident, these have been the worst two weeks of my life. Mm. Now, now, Matt, the worst two weeks of Professor Ford's life weren't brought to her by the Republican Party. That was brought to her, those worst two weeks, by her Democratic handlers, the Democratic staff, Democrat senators, her attorneys who apparently never told her that you don't have to come here for the spectacle, for the show trial, we'll, we'll come out to you and, and take your testimony privately right. in California. It wasn't Republicans that destroyed her anonymity, leaked her name. That was Democrats. And so Democrats took their star witness, and certainly those that leaked her name could not have cared less about Professor Ford. All they wanted was that show trial and spectacle, and they got it. Tried to destroy uh Brett Kavanaugh obviously did a great deal of harm to his long-term reputation, but in, in, in doing so, did a great deal of harm to Professor Ford as well. And no doubt about it. You are a Republican senator from Wisconsin, so this resonates with you, I think, more than others. And unfortunately, in this day and age, we forget our history. We forget the context of history. But I'm thinking of a Joseph Welch moment, and I know you know exactly who I'm talking about when I say Joseph Welch and... Uh, Senator Joseph McCarthy. Remember, we had a moment in the 1950s when um, what was thought to be a witch hunt at that time was going on. And we have Joseph Welch turning to uh, Joseph McCarthy and saying, Sir, have you no decency? And I guess that's the question that I ask 
of the Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee, the, the Democrats in the Senate at large, and Democrats in Congress in general. Do they have no decency? Well, obviously, some of them do not. And, of course, we saw it here in, in uh, early 2011. Uh, I always call them the Troubles, but Act 10, we saw the mobs. We saw the vandalism. Uh, we saw the, the primal scream out of Democrats as Governor Walker and people like Leah Vukmir and other courageous men and women of the Wisconsin state legislature uh, ignored the vile threats. And I mean vile threats that the mainstream media didn't even come close to covering adequately enough and have the courage to turn the state around, literally. Uh, give state and local governments the, the ability to be flexible with their budgets and balance their budgets, uh, you know. But no, we, so we saw it big time here, the, the, the mob rule uh, that would take over if we are foolish enough to elect Democrats to take over the House and lose our majority in the Senate. There will not be another nominee, certainly not for the Supreme Court, probably for, for most courts in the land, if Democrats uh, get a majority in the Senate. They, they will simply say no to President Trump. So it's, it's you know the future of the courts are at stake really the future of the nation. We, we are in such a strong economic path right right now, less than 2% of unemployment in Wisconsin, historic mm -hmm. low level levels of unemployment uh, nationally, Hispanic groups, African-American groups. That's That had a cause. There's a reason for that. It's called we stopped over-regulating. We have a more competitive tax system. We've done that in Wisconsin. We've done that uh, nationally. Uh, it can all go away instantaneously almost if Democrats get control and start over-regulating, over-taxing once again. Senator Ron Johnson joins us on this edition of MacGyver Newsmakers. Just one final point on the incivility of politics, the politics of personal destruction, as I think you've ap aptly described it. Uh, perhaps you've seen this story from the Daily Beacon, but it just goes to show where we are at in this society, in this country today. And the headline is this, Liberals Go After Scott Walker After His Father Passes Away. Governor Scott Walker lost his father in recent days. He's planning for the funeral of this beloved member of his family. He puts the details online because there are a lot of folks who know Mr. Walker. Uh, and respect him, and the response was just disgusting, nothing short of repulsive from some members of the left. Uh, I, again, I'm not sure if you saw the story, but uh, how does that resonate with what is happening today, and will there be consequences for this kind of behavior, do you think, at the polls next month? Well, the only way to handle a situation like that is to offer your sincere condolences, and we all do, to Governor Walker and his family. His father was, was a wonderful person, obviously did a great job raising uh, Scott. So all you should be offering is your sincere condolences, but any other reaction to that would, would be vile. And I didn't see the story, but I can, I can imagine it because I, I heard the vile threats to Governor Walker and members of the Assembly as they tried to turn the state around. So that, that's who the left is. Um, that's, that's what we don't want to turn back to. 
All right, let's uh, turn our attention to some very important testimony this week. Uh, and hopefully it wasn't lost in the shuffle between Kanye and whatever else. But you, of course, are, are chairman of the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee, have been so for a number of years now. Uh, FBI Director Christopher Wray appeared before you. There are some interesting things about China, certainly, that we can get into that uh, – Director Ray talked about, but I really want to focus on uh, your questions, the committee's questions regarding this investigation, uh, this what a lot of us see as a, a deep state investigation uh, involving so-called Russian collusion. And some of the things that you had asked of, of Mr. Ray about uh, where the investigation stands and his members, top ranking officials in the FBI. Well, you know, this is our annual threat hearing. So we have Secretary of Homeland Security, FBI Director, and the head of the National Terrorism uh, Center, Counterterrorism Center. And so I, I say these questions for the very end. Every, all the other members are gone other than my ranking member. And so I, 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 I have my own frustrations. I've been very restrained in our, in our own investigation of Hillary Clinton email scandal and the FBI's investigation of it. The Peter Strzok text, we've made all these things public, but I haven't held show trials on this. I've been frustrated in the, in the non-response responses we get from uh, the agencies across the board, particularly the FBI. And so I asked Director uh, Ray a very simple question. Who investigates the investigator? Mm -hmm. And, you know, he immediately said the Office of Inspector General, which is, you know, that's true. And I said, well, is, is there any other organization, any other entity that you think should, would be charged with investigating the FBI? And he just looked puzzled. He, he had no. I was actually stunned that he didn't think of Congress. Yes. You know, he, we we are we have the principal responsibility of oversight and investigating situations of potential abuse. And it was just telling. The reason the FBI, the Department of Justice, these agencies don't adequately respond to congressional oversight is they ignore us. There, there's no effective sanctions we can we can sense you know we can hold them in contempt but we don't control the justice department so we, we can't really prosecute them for contempt of congress and so over the years literally i i believe that the executive branch agencies holds congress in contempt and they don't give us the information that we need so the public understands that's it's congressional oversight that allows the public accountability of wrongdoing in the executive branch and they just blow us off and i was i was actually pretty stunned at his lack of response to my question of you know other than inspector general who else and i i'd given the answer it's congress of course absolutely uh that was surprising that was a very surprising moment uh, for me and i i can't but help think back to the questions that were asked here, who investigates the investigators in Wisconsin when we went through the horrible John Doe investigation, and I I still got similar answers from people, and I know you did too, um, that, that Christopher Ray offered. There was another startling moment for me too when it was asked of the director, uh, can we say uh, with certainty that the FBI, that the, that the intelligence community is not spying on or tapping into the conversations of the president and cabinet members and others. And the answer from the director was, I think, very telling and concerning. What are your thoughts? Well, again, I was mainly asking him to respond to 
uh, multiple congressional uh, requests for the contacts between Bruce Orr and the FBI. You know, they mm -hmm. have these 302s. I mean, the, the write-up of their contact with somebody in any kind of investigation, you know, why shouldn't we be able to see that? Why, why shouldn't members of Congress? I asked him, how many people have seen the unredacted FISA's application? He didn't know the answer. I didn't expect him to. My guess is dozens of people. Mm -hmm. People that we generally, some of these people, Congress confirms to these positions. And yet members of Congress can't see the unredacted uh, version of the FISA. So we can put this episode behind us. I asked him, you know, why not like a, a Band-Aid, rip it off. Let's get this publicly ex exposed, disclosed, so that the FBI can have its credibility restored and we can move on to the very serious issues and that's the whole point of the hearing was the threats, cyber threats, you know, the lack of our border security, the, the opioid crisis, uh, you know, EMP, GMD, threats to our electrical infrastructure. I mean, I want the FBI fully focused on that. And until their credibility is restored, and that is going to come through exposure and transparency that we're not getting at this point in time, the credibility will not be restored. Yeah, and we find out from the hearing this week. Uh, from the perspective of FBI Director Ray, and certainly members of this committee, like you, who, who know what's going on, privy to the information, but China is a very serious threat that I don't think previous administrations have, have taken seriously. What is that threat level uh, uh, from China on so many different fronts? Well, they definitely represent a, a threat to our intellectual or our uh, information technology uh, infrastructure. Uh, a report of uh, excellent reporting from Bloomberg, and this was Director Ray cautioned us, don't don't believe everything you read. Uh, Secretary Nielsen had no knowledge in her agency that this was true. Uh, we need to get to the bottom of this. But, uh, you know, the reports of Chinese implanting incredibly small chips on uh, computer boards that can be used to spy in you know, once those are inserted into servers and that type of thing. Wow. Uh, incredibly alarming. The report is we've been investigating this for three years. And from my own standpoint, cybersecurity is an incredibly complex issue. It represents a clear and present danger if we don't get control over this thing. Um, it, it kind of boggled my mind that uh, I think one of the best lines of defense here literally is exposure. But we sat on the information, for example, Kaspersky Labs which is probably running the security software on, on a large majority of individual Americans' PCs, we've known about them as a potential threat with their ties to Russia, and we said nothing about it. The public was completely unaware of it. We let that company grow and get that influential. Uh, same thing's true here. This is true. You know, Public exposure is the best thing. We, we classify way too much material. It's overclassified, and so the public never has any idea about uh, either wrongdoing or these very serious threats to our, our critical infrastructure, for example. Indeed. Senator Ron Johnson joins us on this edition of MacGyver Newsmakers. Final uh, area of discussion we get to this morning. I know you've got many things to accomplish yet today, but I, I did want to ask you about uh, the work that the committee has done, you have done, and majority staff have done looking into a huge area of waste, fraud and abuse in the government. And that involves this whole uh, maximization scheming that's going on with the states involving Medicaid. In fact, that's the term, is it not? Uh, uh, maximization, uh, where states try to 
work the system in in different areas of, of scheming to try to get more money out of uh, federal taxpayers uh, to offset costs for Medicaid and what appears to me to be a real scam on the American taxpayer. Well, you, you used one of the euphemisms, maximization. The other ones will call them gimmicks, you know, like harmless mm-hmm. little gimmicks. I would call it legalized fraud. But no, this, this is where uh, state governments loan monies to uh, you know, local governments, cities, uh, health facilities, and then they use that as their matching for uh, Medicaid reimbursement. Uh, so, in effect, the federal government completely re- reimburses it 100 percent, even though it's supposed to be about 50, 60 percent. And those monies repaid to the state government. But this is also health care taxes that then get reimbursed. So it's just, again, a way to maximize the federal match into Medicaid. And, you know, s- some states do, do more of these gimmicks than others. And it creates a completely inequitable allocation of federal health care dollars which is one of the reasons we're trying to block grant, for example, Obamacare spending to the states in a far more equitable uh, way. But you know, this has been going on for years. We don't have the information. Nobody knows how extensive this is, how many, in my guess, it's probably hundreds of billions of dollars worth, uh, certainly over multiple years, but it's uh, tens of billions of dollars in, in any particular year. Wow. Uh, but, but again, you just can't get the information, which, which Matt drives me nuts about the federal government. You know, I come from, I'm an accountant, I come from the business world, you need information. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just cynical of the fact that the government doesn't collect the information because they really don't want anybody to know. Yeah, indeed. Just a quick question on that front. I know Michigan uh, was noted in the report from the committee and some other states. Any concern about Wisconsin at all? I mean, we have to look at this from every different level. Waste, fraud, and abuse, no matter where it occurs, is waste, fraud, and abuse. Are there any concerns about Wisconsin over the years having tried one of these schemes or scams well we we may be doing you know taking advantage of some of these in in a low-level way but we're we're certainly not as far as i know one of the primary abusers i mean the the huge abusers are places like california the example used i think is 160 million dollar loan yeah uh, in in michigan i think that's the the number it's been a couple weeks since i've I've looked at it but uh no you know this this is a a real problem and you know when we've got a when we have an issue with the health care spending um the, the fact that we all look to the federal government to pay for all these things. You know, we, we had the, the, the Congressional Review Act vote that Tammy Baldwin uh, foisted on, on Congress, fortunately that was defeated, that would have taken away uh, the option of an affordable option in health care with these short-term limitation plans. And the, the, the left and Tammy Baldwin, uh, the Democrats were completely dishonest in how they talked about that, saying we were trying to take away protections on pre-existing conditions. Nothing could be further from the truth. They're trying to take away affordable health care plans. So there's so much information out there. There's so much dishonest debate. It literally drives me nuts. Well, this is an opportunity in a format to get some of the information out there that American taxpayers and voters need to know. We, As always, we appreciate your time. I enjoy our conversations more than a lunch with Kanye West. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. That is high praise. <laughs> Have a great weekend. We'll talk soon. You too. Take care. You bet. That is uh, U.S. Senator Ron Johnson, a senior senator from Wisconsin, joining us. And we certainly do, as always, appreciate uh, his time, his perspective, and what's going on in the swamp. Thank you again for joining us on this edition of MacGyver Newsmakers. I'm Matt Kittle.